April 2nd. Fly Perspective Podcast. Let's ride. I'm back, man. It's been a month, I know. I'm sorry. This is how I'm feeling right now. Real groovy. I wasn't even bored when this song came out. SOS Band. But you can ride to this one, baby. Shout out to all my people, man. Been emailing me. People texting me. Like, hey, man, when the next episode? When the next episode? We need that work. We need that work. <laughs> my bad for the delay. I'm back. Fly Perspective Podcast. Let's go. Let's go. I'm feeling real good. I'm going to let this ride out for a minute. Because this feel like that spring. You got the sun back on the beamer. Fresh car wash. Let's ride. Yes, sir. I'm back. Fly Perspective Podcast. It's your boy, DJ So Fly, April 2nd. Uh, man, uh, what's going on? What's going on with me? Uh, shout out to my son, Dallas. He turned two on uh, March 11th, man. And that little dude is just a bundle of just energy, man. He's at the age now where he wants to run around Chuck E. Cheese and jack everybody for their tokens. Young Savage in the making. And let me apologize while I can. I've been a little congested lady, had a pretty bad uh, sinus cold, uh, like I guess it's due to the weather, man, I don't know, you know, like yesterday, for example, I think it was damn near 70 degrees, and right now it's 6.30 uh, the next morning, and um, it's like 31 degrees outside, but, you know, I had the Mucinex on deck, cleared a brother out, been drinking my green tea with super fruit, I'm gonna hit that gym later, get a good workout in, uh, you know, and I'll be back tip-top magoo. You understand what I'm saying? Take care of your body, and it'll take care of you. Uh, what I got going on? Uh, other than that, uh, you know, only in America, uh, you can shoot up a school, and uh, <laughs> you don't get an eye gouge, a, a headbutt. You don't get stole on by the police. But if you're a young brother that was allegedly breaking car windows or whatever the case you get shot 20 times or shot at 20 times. Uh, I thought about playing the audio on the podcast, but it was just a little too graphic for me. You just hear all them gunshots go off. And um, yeah, man, it's just crazy. The crazy part was about it was like you hear all the gunshots go off. And then one of the female officers is like, you know, if you're alive, let us know. Or if you're OK, let us know so we can get you a medical attention. And it was just like. Man, like y'all shot that dude 20 times, you know, and it's just, 
even if he was alive, who finna raise their hand after that? It's like, I thought it was some type of protocol with the police where, you know, you were supposed to fire a warning shot and assess the situation or whatever the case, and they mistake the cell phone for a gun. I don't know, man. It's just, whew. Rest in peace to that brother, Stefan Clark. And rest in peace to Alton Sterling. And uh, that judgment we just found out this past week, we knew what, what that was. And it's with those officers getting off, and it's just crazy. I remember uh, when Trayvon uh, Martin case and um, uh, George Zimmerman got off, I remember being at my grandparents' like 63rd wedding anniversary or, or something like that. And uh, the alert came across my phone, and it's just like my heart sank. I was like, dude, it's innocent? And uh, it's been far way too common nowadays to see, you know, officers killing black people uh, unarmed and with body cameras and footage to show the whole situation. And they're still getting off. Um, And then it's sad. And on the other hand, you have crazy shit like donations to the NRA, you know, the National Rifle Association. Um donations tripling after the parkland school uh shooting and uh it's crazy man uh verbatim i'm gonna read uh it says in fact reports from the federal elections commission show donations to the nra's political victory fund tripled from january to february in january the nra collected almost two hundred and forty eight thousand dollars in individual contributions now in february they collected more than $779,000. It's like, after that shooting, all these donations go to the NRA, and there was a crazy spike in gun sales. Now, if you don't know people, the NRA are the people that uh, want these gun laws, you know, not touched. You know, they still want people to be able to walk around and, uh, carry these AR-15s, AK-47s, and um, they don't want any strict gun laws placed. And me personally, I'm for the gun laws. I mean, I I believe in bearing arms, but at the same time, I don't believe nobody needs to walk around with a chopper, you know, and with bullets that shoot through things and these high power, you know, um, assault rifles, man. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? The only way I believe in it is if I would have to get one just to compete with what the guys on the street got. Like, and I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and best believe these young cats is walking around with that chopper. I've seen a chopper before. And you'd be thinking, like, where the fuck did this little nigga get a chopper? And you know what I'm saying? I remember one time, this may have happened maybe five years ago. Now, living in the inner city, it can go down anywhere in St. Louis, wherever the fact. But I was in my crib. And I was making beats. Now, mind you, I got the speakers up loud as a mug. I'm beating, making the beats, I'm vibing. I hear something sound like a train track was going off or like a train screeching. I pause. I look out the window. And I just heard people screaming or whatever. Come to find out some cats and drove up and did like a drive by of a barbecue or something on the street and the cat had an AK or AR, one of them high-powered rifles. Nobody got killed. I believe he hit one guy in the, the leg or something like that. 
you know, which thank God for that, that nobody died. But it's like you got to walk around in fear that, you know, it's going down at any time with whatever kind of gun. So, yes, I do believe in bearing arms, uh, as my grandma called it. I, I do believe in keeping a piece of correction. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She calls it the piece of correction. Uh, so, yeah, I believe in guns. You got to hold your house down. Got to hold your family down, you know. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. This is America. But it's some entertainment news. Uh, the Me Too movement is real. Uh, Russell Simmons just got a new accuser. And I don't know, man, it sounds crazy to me because it sounds a little far-fetched, but hey, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't there. I, of course, I can't say this young lady's lying. Well, she wouldn't be young. She's probably older, but I can't say this lady's lying or whatever the case. But she's alleging that, you know, she met Russ with her son at a concert, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, she go back to the hotel uh, he invited her to an after party. She gets to the hotel and Russell tells her, I'm going to fuck. She says, no, I'm not trying to do that. He says, look, I'm going to fuck you or I'm going to fuck your son. <laughs> now, <laughs> it's like, let me stop laughing because I'm about to start coughing. But it's like, man, that's some wild shit. That's a wild, that's a wild accusation, man. I mean, for somebody to say, I'm going to fuck you or your son, that's some wild shit. Uh, of course, she, this woman wants to be anonymous, but she's apparently, I think she's suing, I forget for how much money or whatever the case. But my thing is, when these cases come out like years after the fact, it's like, how do they differentiate, you know, how to punish the people if they did or if they didn't or if it was so many years ago? Whatever the hell. Like, you know, even with Bill Cosby, it's like, I mean, if he get locked up, what he's he's already, what, 80-something years old? It's like, what are you going to say? You just locked up for the rest of your life because of all these accusations? And I don't know, man. It's just, it's wild. Not to mention this past week, Fabulous, man. Out of all people, Fabulous, he was uh, just put into a domestic situation with, I believe, Emily is uh, his, his, uh, his uh, kid's mother's name. And apparently he had hit her and uh, some type of uh, argument over a cell phone or whatever the case. And I didn't want to believe it at first. I was like, nah, I mean, no way Fab did nothing like that. But I mean, you can't push nothing past nobody. We really don't know these people. We just know the perception that we see them in the media. And to, uh, earlier today, I saw a video. Uh, of course, it was obtained by TMZ. And you see Fab outside of a truck arguing with, it looks like Emily's dad. Uh, you know, Fab has a bodyguard there trying to hold him back. Fab has like a sharp object in his hand, looked like a little knife, like he was about to run up and shank homie a couple times. And I'm, I don't know, man. Details will unfold soon, but you know, hey, I just hope it, uh, you know, it all gets sorted out and you know gets worked out, man. Because it just, it, it's crazy when you have to go through a domestic violence situation and uh, whether the, the woman is lying or telling the truth. Um, but it's just, it's, I bet it's even worse when it's got to play out in the media. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their nose into it and whatever the case. But I did see a tweet earlier. I'm not sure if it was really from Fab's uh, account, but I did see 
a screenshot uh, of a, a, a fabulous Twitter account that said, I woke up in Chris Brown's body. <laughs> like, making light of the situation, like, you know, with him and Rihanna or whatever the case. But, man, you know, hold your head, Fab. You know, Emily, you hold your head as well. Uh, I remember uh, the cat, uh, NBA Youngboy, he, he's been spicing up on the charts a lot with his music. I think he's down from Louisiana. And he got caught up in a domestic violence situation. He was, uh, he's a young cat too, man. He got caught on camera like body slamming and dragging his girlfriend in the hallway at a hotel. The little girl came out and was like, oh, we were just playing. We like to play like that, trying to cover up for him. But uh, the state ended up pulling up a um, a case against him because she wouldn't, you know, hold no charges on him. And the stipulations of his probation is he can't leave Louisiana for, I believe, six months and uh, he can't use social media. Not sure if he'd be wilding out on social media or not. I don't really follow the dude like that. I just saw the article. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just wild. I just look at it on a business standpoint, you know, for you and your craft and your music, um, you know, that's a setback. You know, just like Kodak Black situation when he got railroaded, a, you know, a couple months ago and it was just only his fault. He was on social media, uh, flashing some guns and all this type of stuff going on in the house. Police come in to raid the crib, and his kid was there. They got him on all kind of different charges, and it's wild, man. You know, um, speaking of losing money, I mean, this, this guy uh, Takashi Six Nine. I I didn't really want to speak on him uh, because I just figured he was just a person trying to get some attention uh, off the gang culture, which I never thought that was cool. But he's on some like, hey, I'm this, I'm that. Ain't nobody gonna touch me. This, that, and the third, people were telling them he got to check in. Because, you know, when you're in that gang culture and you rapping and all that, cats want to check in. You come to their town, they want you to check in. And I'm pretty sure it's for money. You know what I'm saying? Or come chop it up with the OGs down here. This our city. Break us off a little something. And we're going to make sure you cool. He didn't want to do that. And instead, he wanted to say fuck everybody and do a bunch of wild shit. But what happened? When you're a rapper... Everybody knows where you're at. So people start popping up at his shows, wherever he was going to be, in whatever cities, start popping up at places that he was speculated to be, 50 deep, 100 deep, looking for this dude. They got to cancel shows, all that. It's like you drawing unnecessary attention to yourself um, and you losing money. And on another note, it's like you can either end up hurt or dead, or one of your homeboys hurt or dead, because nine times out of ten, you're not finna be trying to be in the field fighting nobody, or banging, or shooting, you're gonna have somebody else that's in your clique that, you know, they feel like they want to step up, they want to do it, or you may have people in your clique that you think got your back, and when they get rough, they run out on you, I remember he was saying something on the Breakfast Club interview on the lines of like, hey, I don't have no security with me when I travel with just me and two of my homies. And I had a show and uh, I think he said in Texas at a world star show. And he was, you know, breaking down all the, the, the conceptions of what was going on. The reason he didn't show up is because the people at the venue didn't have security for him. And he knew about Jay Prince and all these other people that he had beef with were on stage at the show during other people's sets. So it's like, well, luckily you knew who was on stage while all these other performers were rapping, and you knew that these people that you have beef with are in attendance because 
You would have got world starred on a world starred stage. And, uh, yeah, it's wild. That gang culture and claiming you this and that, it don't really end too well for a lot of people. The most humble person I've ever seen with it has been probably uh, Nipsey Hussle. You know what I'm saying? He's always spread at peace. And, uh, hey, we'll see in months to come, but hopefully nothing happens to that brother because I don't want to see anything happen uh, negative to anyone. But it's just like you just got to know how to tread lightly. I mean, I don't know if he thinks he's going to do it for ratings so it's out of sale or what, but it's all fun and games to somebody get killed. Let me see. Who else I got on this sick and shut in? Oh, yeah, Bow Wow. Um... I don't know, man. Uh, he went on a, a rant not too long ago, a couple of days ago, just kind of like venting about how he feels that people don't like him and uh, basically like a bunch of um, depressing thoughts and this and that. It feels like everybody hates him due to uh, the wealth of embarrassing stories that surround his name. Uh, I know some little rapper, I think his name was Triple Red. He's starting to beef with him out of Ohio. And uh, he gets a lot of flack online, but it's like, dude, you got to get out your own way. Like, how many times did Bow Wow get caught lacking and lying about posting things or saying this and that? He get caught lying and then everybody flame him. It's like, what do you expect? He went from uh, to that to saying, like, he was bored with life, tired of all this shit. And it's just like, bro. When you was younger, man, you kissed Tyra Banks in the mouth on TV. Bro, you used to sell out stadiums at a young age and have all the girls running around going bananas. Like, bro, you were the first kid rapper on the scene. You touched a lot of bad women. And I'm sure he made a nice amount of money for hell. He was acting and in movies and all kinds of stuff. It's like, why don't you just focus more on acting if that music isn't popping for you but i mean um just looking back in retrospect you know it's like a thing with kid stars man as they get older and their clout starts to fall you know they fall and um god forbid something you know crazy happens to them you know i wouldn't want that to happen you know hopefully we get some help hopefully somebody uh, close to him is encouraging him to go to therapy to talk about what's going on and just get him back on the right track. And I know some people might say, well, you know, like forget him because he's rich and he's famous. And but it's like you never know what's going on in people's lives, man. No matter how much money you got, how much fame, how much uh, somebody else has going on that's positive on your outlook. You never know what's going on internally with them. You feel me? So prayers up for Bow Wow. And uh, hopefully he get it going, man. I remember I met him twice. Uh, but one time I DJed his after party at a scream, after a scream tour. It was at a, a skating rink here in St. Louis. And I remember just so many girls. The concert was crazy, too. I was backstage and all that and just seeing all them girls, man. I'm young. I forget how old I was. But uh, I DJed his after party at the skating rink, got to meet him. Uh, chop it up with him he's a cool dude and on another note you got dmx you know after all that brothers went through uh just his battle with drugs and up and down well, i'm sure his depression some type of i'm sure dmx battles from some type of mental illness man and uh 
uh, owing all this money and child support at one point and just going downhill. It's like now he owes the government for um, failure to pay taxes, like tax evasion. So he's getting like a year in jail, I believe. And I'm sure he has to pay the money back. But it's like, I don't know. You know, I would figure they would let him do the, do shows throughout the year to try to pay him back. But I don't know. I don't see how locking him up for a year is going to benefit him. Uh, if anything, um, like the former uh, NBA player, uh, Jason Williams, he said he'll help him and, uh, you know, check him into his rehab and try to get him right. Like Jason Williams has a rehab geared toward those with addictions. Um, and it's cool because, you know, Jason Williams had an addiction himself. And I remember him uh, giving interviews or stories about how hard it was to get clean. And once he got clean, he wanted to help people. And um, DMX is, man, he's always to be my top five dead or alive rappers, man. I remember when I was younger, my brother used to ride the big body Volvo uh, 740. Um, and we used to bump whatever DMX it was, man. It was blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh. Um, you know, and it's, it's just crazy to go from where he was to what he's doing now. And I just hope he gets help, man. He can get back on the right track. Prayers up for DMX as well. And speaking of addictions, I ran across a Netflix documentary the other day called Keep Your Pills. It was really interesting. It was the, um, documentary explaining other focusing drugs and amphetamines and the culture of today and where it started and uh, like Adderall and Ritalin and comparing them to meth and other drugs that are, you know, on the street. It's just, it's crazy. It showed how it started off back in the early 1900s where scientists would figure out um, drugs that would either help them, their wives uh, lose weight or help their wives play tennis better. And they came across amphetamines or they came across other type of drugs that would help you focus and do whatever that you needed to do to get through your day. And it even goes into detail to show how the first um, pill abuse study was done, I believe, in like 1920 or something like that, man, where they said a certain age group were just using pills. At one point, they said, I believe it was over 8 billion pills that were abused over that year because back then you didn't need a prescription. So then the government put a regulation on it that you need a prescription. So fast forward to today, they explained how certain college students and uh, people in the tech field, people in the music industry, such as like managers and uh, other people in different fields, man, they use Adderall and these other type of drugs to get their day started. It's like drinking a cup of coffee for them. They get those squirrels kicking in their brain. And it's just crazy to see that some people can't perform without it. But on the other hand, you have to look at those people that are abusing the drug. Some people don't need the drug. Now, I do believe there are people out there with ADD, ADHD. And then I also believe that there are a lot of people that are just distracted. And a distraction is easy as you being at work and you can't focus on your job because you're joined at the hip by your phone. So you're distracted by your phone. You're missing out what's going on on social media. You're trying to see what likes you're getting or make a post that everybody will like. And uh, I remember there was another documentary that even talked about that, like the gratification of social media likes and how 
uh, it sends off certain uh, cues in the brain, like uh, like uh, gratitude. When you get those likes and um, comments on your pictures and a lot of attention, and if you don't, some people go into a depression. It's crazy, man. Now, I can be real with y'all. The first time I heard about Adderall, I was, I think, a senior in college. I was at work, and I had two guys that I work with. Uh, one was a law student, and one was in school for, uh, I believe, marketing or something. I remember the guy in marketing told me, man, look, if you take some Adderall and study, you'll be good for your finals. You're going to remember everything the next day. No problem. Now, the guy in law school, I remember asking him, like, man, how do y'all study for the bar? As such of a hard of a test it is, and as long as it is, this fool told me, hey, man, we all snort Adderall. Now, they're taking it to a different extreme of snorting it. They said, hey, we need a little more. We ain't popping that. We going to snort that boy. And I was like, damn. Now, I can be real. I did one time get an Adderall um, during a party. A friend gave me one of their uh, Adderalls, and I took it, and I'm not going to bullshit you. I felt like I was invincible. (laughs) I felt like I could think better. I could hold better conversations. I had a lot of ideas, a lot of creativity thinking in me. It was wild. So that was the only time I ever did it. And that's the only other prescription drug I've done that uh, wasn't prescribed to myself. But it was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Now, I'm not saying that to encourage anybody to go out and seek Adderall. Because I'm sure there are certain type of long-term effects. If you're taking this mess for X, Y, Z, whatever, it can probably mess up certain parts of your brain. I remember watching the documentary, Keep Your Pills. And I want to say they compared Adderall to meth. Like it had just about the same makeup as meth. Except meth was more potent and you're smoking it with a whole bunch of harmful chemicals. But it was chemicals that were made up of the same molecules that were in Adderall. Excuse me, Adderall. It's wild. I watch all kinds of drug documentaries and drug this, drug that, and they've been for a long time comparing a lot of prescription drugs and painkillers and all that to like cocaine, heroin, saying it has the same makeup. That's just like the codeine. And it's all fun and games so you realize what's going on afterwards. When people were doing codeine, rapping about it, it was codeine crazy, Future was rapping about it, Gucci, all the downside rappers. A lot of rappers still rap about it. Even... 20 years ago, you had the Texas rappers rapping about it. But what were the long-term effects of that? You're constipated. That means you can't poop. Then anybody get that big gut? You ever seen somebody do a lot of, lot of codeine and they got that gut? Because they can't poop. Nauseous. I remember an interview with ASAP Rocky talking about the reason he stopped it. I want to say something like he passed out. He thought he was about to die. It's crazy. Rest in peace, ASAP Yams. 
Rest in peace, DJ Screw. Rest in peace, Frito Santana. The wildest part about that documentary of the Keep Your Pills was the fact that when they were conducting studies on the drug, they went to a school, cut a deal with the principal, and they started administering this drug to every student in the school. Now, this is back in like the early 1900s. They started administering this drug to every person in the school. I want to say it was Ritalin. So that's that boy that calm you down and make you sit down and do your work. If you normally act in the ass, your ass is going to sit it down. And I believe I remember the documentary stating that the AIDS group of those who are prescribed most of these amphetamine drugs were ages 25 to like 40, I want to say, maybe mid, mid 40s. And they're saying these people just need help with getting through their work week or their work day. Or they got so much going on in life, they can't focus on whatever else. Then you turn around and rappers and all this are making it cool to do these drugs. So you got young kids thinking it's cool. It's not cool, bro. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm not popping no pills, man. Especially them pills that people be making up in their basement and they give it to you and say it's Whatever it is. It's like, how you know? I didn't watch so many documentaries and seen how these people make these drugs, cutting it with rat poison, horse tranquilizer, um, Viagra. You know what I mean? Like, and you putting this in your body to get high, but you don't know what it's doing to you. Crazy shit, right? I remember going to a chick house one day. We had hung out. Went back to her house. She was cooking or whatever the case. She's papered up too. You know what I'm saying? Papered up. You know what I'm saying? Nice house, nice car, whatever. Doing her thing. We go down to her movie room and there's a mound of cocaine on the center table. And immediately I'm like, what in the fuck? And she's like, oh, you want to do it? Nah, I'm good. And that's not the first time I've heard of a person in my age group doing cocaine to each his own. But, you know, I always hear chicks talking about, oh, I did some cocaine and it was fun. Or I heard, you know, people, I do cocaine and I can drink all night. Or It's like, all right, to each his own. I just hope you have the willpower to, like, not be addicted to it. Because from what I hear and from what I see, that cocaine is a savage. And before I get out of here, the craziest story I've seen lately (laughs) is this story of the guy Tyrone Hankerson Jr. from Howard University. Tyrone's got your money, allegedly. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, he allegedly stole $429,000 from the financial aid department. And he was also allegedly the guy that was sending out the the letters basically telling you, we don't have no more money. But if you've seen Homeboy on Instagram, he's dressed in the most expensive garments. (laughs) You know, apparently, allegedly, pushing up in uh, Range Rovers and all that, he was a law student at, or is still a law student at Howard University, And I guess it over the years, it just never got flagged. 
my question is like, you know, I guess when Tyrone is splashing all this money or, you know, he's pulling up in this nice whip and Tyrone don't really have no job, but working at the financial aid department, didn't nobody speculate? Then the second question is like, how was he getting the money? I mean, it makes me think like, was he cutting checks in the office and then going down to the little Arab store or something like, yo, go ahead and cash this boy on the back end for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. The other question is, did he save any of that money? I mean, he must have thought he was going to get caught eventually, right? Or maybe not. It's an interesting story. If they're still taping that show American Greed, he'd be a perfect candidate for it. Brother Tyrone. And it, out of all brothers, it had to be a brother named Tyrone. <laughs> it's crazy because it's like people really don't learn when you're doing schemes like that. You got to lay low. Like I saw a picture of the cat from Instagram. It says another semester down, another bag secured with some money emojis. And it's a picture of him walking with some Gucci loafers on and a Gucci satchel. I think that is that a satchel or a purse? I don't know. I'm not really too into that. I don't know what that is. It might be a satchel. Or no, I think that's a purse. Anyway, another semester down, another bag secured. And you got these high-end garments on. I wonder if they can use that against him in court. But at the end of the day, he still claims his innocence. So I guess we'll see how this thing plays out. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Fly Perspective Podcast. Uh, Feel free to email me at tfpfeedback at gmail.com. Let me know what's on your mind. Or if you're an artist and you want to submit some music. But right now we're going to ride out to this SJ Apollo Trapping Vibes. Fly Perspective. How I live my life, yeah. That's worth it to underdogs. All day is coming, y'all. We shoot for the moon, we aim for the stars. Guaranteed that they moon and they sun will fall. Notice I say there, cause we are not one of y'all. Getting high under God, bringing the peace without getting guns involved. I'm on a different vibe, alternate universe floating through different skies. Now I'm getting criticized, damn.
links to space kids. Half future dreams and we make it. Bad women, they naked. What? We ain't mesmerized by that fake shit. Longevity, it's ahead of me. Till this book of weed is my therapy. Grew my hair wild, should see how they stare at me. Richard, they face up, they try to get clarity. Don't give a fuck, roll that shit up. Cities at war, enough is enough. Children in office, the laws are corrupt. Just focus on fam and stack up my bugs, yeah. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. Got me aiming at the sky, yeah, yeah. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. It's just how I live my life. Yeah, yeah. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. Got me aiming at the sky. Yeah, yeah. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. Bitch, I be trapping vibes. It's just how I live my life. Yeah, yeah.